Right now, a historic moment. Uh, we can now project the winner of the presidential race. CNN projects Donald Trump wins the presidency. The business. CNN's historic call on election night 2016, Donald Trump elected president of the United States. Fast forward four years to election night 2020, and it is an election that could be shrouded in uncertainty. With the U.S. in the grips of a pandemic, clearly its impact on the election is unknown at this point. But how about the conducting of the election itself? Could election results be delayed or challenged? Hello, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. As we saw earlier this month in Wisconsin, in the midst of a pandemic, casting your vote is anything but easy. As of today, at least 52 people who voted or worked the election in Wisconsin have tested positive for the virus. The Wisconsin primary became a symbol of the chaos the virus could wreck on democracy, and November's pivotal election looms large. Again, just last night, presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden alleged that President Trump is looking to, quote, undermine the election, telling a fundraiser crowd, amid this pandemic, we have to figure out how we are going to conduct a fair and full and safe election in November. That he went on to say, we know that's not what the president's looking to do. Of course, the president has suggested that the election will proceed in November as planned. So joining me now to discuss more about what voting could look like in November, potential harm to voting rights in this pandemic is the executive director of the U.S. Program and Human Rights Watch and the former Washington director and counsel for the Brennan Center for Justice, Nicole Austin Hillary. Nicole, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, David. Thank you for having me on. So I just guess I want to start with the simple notion of what your biggest concern is given the current state of the country in terms of social distancing, in terms of Dr. Fauci saying that there may be a recurrence in the fall, that that is something that may be likely. What should voting in November look like? Should it look like anything we've seen before? It won't look like anything we've seen before, David. It it can't. What it should look like is actually a panoply of options. We can't have voters standing in long lines, shoulder to shoulder, as we've seen in the past. That's not safe, that will not protect lives, that will not protect community health. We have to give voters options so that they can access the ballot box through whatever means is going to be easiest for them. So that means for some people, Being able to cast a no-fault absentee ballot should be an option. Being able to go to a polling site that has safeguards in place to allow for social distancing and the casting of ballots in a safe environment should be an option. Allowing people to vote over the course of numerous days, most notably 45 days ahead of an election so that voters who must vote in person can do so on varying days and will not again all be uh, coming to a polling place on the same day and wreaking havoc in terms of social distancing standards. That's what voting has to look like this coming November. It has to allow for options that keep people safe. It's going to depend on the jurisdiction, the population, the age, disability issues that individuals have. And we have to make sure that we're meeting all of those needs. And again, that cannot be a one-size-fits-all solution. 
Yeah, I mean, nothing in uh, America's electoral process is a one-size-fits-all because it's run by the states and localities. And, and so it's just an amalgam of systems that has always been quite diffuse. So even more so here, obviously, as you're saying, given potential vulnerable populations uh, related to coronavirus, you wrote in a CNN.com op-ed that amid the pandemic, the right to vote is a life and death issue. Do you really believe that that is the case? And can you unpack that for us a little bit? I absolutely do, David. Look, the way that every American, no matter what your lot in life is, the way that we are all equalized is at the ballot box. We all get one vote. We all get to express whom we want to lead us from our local government all the way up to our national leaders. If you cannot participate in that democratic process, you lose that voice. The only way that you have as a voter to be on equal footing with other voters is by casting a ballot on election day. And the way that we traditionally have done that is by individuals going to polling sites in their local jurisdictions, standing in long lines, and indeed casting a ballot. But we can't do that now. The CDC has already told us, Dr. Fauci has told us, that old method of voting cannot be sustained if we want to keep people safe. But individuals shouldn't be forced to choose between participating in our democracy or keeping their health and saving their lives. We should provide them with opportunities so that they can do both. And if we don't, if local jurisdictions don't do that, then people are making life and death choices about whether to participate in this electoral process and have a voice in our democracy or sitting at home and being unheard and uncounted. Do you believe that the country should be entirely vote by mail? Is that realistic? I don't, David, and for several reasons. Vote by mail sounds like it's the panacea for this, but it's not. Everyone in this country is not similarly situated. Some of us are lucky and privileged enough to have a home in a neighborhood where maybe we've lived for five or 10 years and everyone who wants to reach us knows how to reach us. There are people in this country who, because of poverty and other economic challenges, are very transient. They change addresses often, or perhaps um, it's very difficult to find them. They may be living with relatives. There are people who are homeless who don't have steady addresses. If we revert to a completely vote-by-mail system, we will lose an entire swath of our electorate because of that. And it will also break down along socioeconomic lines. That means those of us who are privileged, who live in houses, who can pay mortgages and rent regularly, those ballots will find us. And for the other people who, who aren't as privileged, the ballots won't. We can't have that, which is why I say we have to have a mixture of options available so that no matter where you sit in this society, you will have an opportunity to have your voice heard and cast a ballot on Election Day. Do you expect a significant, dramatic uptick in vote by mail this November? I do, because I think a lot of individuals are going to continue, as we want them to, to follow the CDC guidelines and and social distance and stay at home. So I think there will be a lot of people who will want to utilize that option. But one option that is related to that is also um, the absentee ballot. States have got to provide that to as many individuals who want it, and they can't put certain parameters in place that make it difficult for people to to access those ballots. You know, there are some jurisdictions that say it doesn't matter why you need an absentee ballot 
Tell us you need it, and we'll send it to you. There are other states, and we've seen we've seen an increase in that during this time have, in the primary season, have, right? Some states that have that have required an excuse before now change the rules to have no excuse. Exactly, voting, right? And I'd like to see all of the states do that um, because during this pandemic, we shouldn't be asking people to jump through hoops because that's really what it is. It's jumping through hoops to prove that you should get an absentee ballot. No one should be made to do that. So um, I think that's part of what states are going to have to do, but they need to make that as easy as possible for everyone who needs that and who wants that. Is there a concern that you have at all with an uptick in mail-in voting of any kind of fraud? We saw uh, this example in North Carolina that there was a Republican operative in a House election in 2018 that did implement sort of a fraud scheme around absentee voting. Is there is there concern with an increase in mail-in voting that we may see an increase in potential fraud? I am not concerned about that, David. And I'm going to go back to, to, to something that I've said for years about this whole fraud debate. The, the amount of voter fraud that takes place in this country is de minimis. Uh, and in most cases, it's about voters who perhaps misunderstood the rules and regulations in their jurisdiction. There are very few examples historically of people who have purposefully and intentionally tried to defraud our electoral system uh, through the ballot box. So I'm not worried about that. It's also a crime. And frankly, I think people are worried about more things right now than committing a crime uh, through, through the voting process. I think people are concerned about staying safe and healthy and frankly, staying alive. I also think there are safeguards that states will be able to put in place to try to ensure that the that the, the mail-in voting process is as safe and secure as possible so that the issue of fraud uh, will not be a big concern. What lessons do you think you learned the most from seeing what happened in Wisconsin? We all saw those pictures of people showing up uh, in person because they wanted to vote. And, you know, because of the guidelines put in place, also there were fewer in-person voting locations, which meant that in those places there were increased amounts of people showing up, which could have a public health concern, especially if we're in the midst of a resurgence in November. Are there specific lessons learned, do you think, from that Wisconsin experience that should be applied in the fall? Yes. And I'll start with plan ahead, plan ahead. You know, it's one of those basic lessons we all learned in life. Plan ahead. It's not as if Wisconsin didn't know this primary election was coming up and that it would be coming up in the midst of of COVID. That's one. States have got to put systems in place now that will ensure that their voters have as many options available to them as possible that will keep them safe as they are engaging in the election process. Number two, the governors, I think, are such a key part of how these issues can be resolved. You know, again, in, in my piece that I wrote that you referenced earlier, David, I, I pointed to Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia. He already thought ahead, worked with his legislature, signed measures to ensure that different mechanisms could be put in place to allow early voting, to make voting a holiday, um, to ensure absentee balloting. The governors need to be thinking now about what the formula of options need to be put in place so that voters will not be standing in place uh, on election day, will not have fewer voting voting sites available to them. Um, that's going to be the key. And, and also, look, I have a message to all of these legislators who are engaging in partisan gamesmanship right now. Please stop it. The safety, the health, 
of all Americans are at stake right now. We don't have time for partisanship. Everybody get on the same page, figure out what you need to do so that all of your citizens can access the ballot box and can do so safely so that they can stay healthy and stay alive. This is not the time for gamesmanship or for partisanship. We need to put that aside. Is there something that members of Congress that you would seek to advocate for in terms of federal legislation or something that the federal government can do to ensure a smooth and safe election this fall? Yes. Uh, and, and there are members who are who are working on on some of those options right now, even though, David, as you said, the elections are governed locally. Um, when it comes to the national federal election, the, the Congress has a role to play. Congress can, for instance, come out with legislation requiring the use of automatic voter registration in the states. They can provide monies to the states as an incentive to then get the states to abide by these recommendations. And that's really what the states need right now. You know, I, I will tell you, my, my predecessor organization, the Brennan Center, has a report out right now that is talking about how so few states have the money that they need to even put these recommended options in place. So Congress has a role to play in terms of getting the states the money that they need so that they can access these various options uh, when it comes to um, making sure that voters don't just have the don't just get to stand in line only uh, as their way of voting on Election Day. So that's really the biggest thing that Congress can do right now. Put money in the hands of the states so that these recommended options can actually come to fruition. Yeah. Money from Congress through legislation, that's where partisanship will always come in uh, to play. There's no doubt about that. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your insights. You're welcome, David. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm going to be on leave for the next month as I take on another assignment, that of being a first-time father. So I'll be focused on my newborn baby uh, for the month of May. I leave you in very good hands with this podcast, and I will be speaking to you all when I return in June. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.